1: Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In the summer of 2022, Eric, myself, and a good friend of ours, Trevor Wolfe, visited a number of historical sites in Illinois, Ohio, and New York that are very special to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Primarily, these were Nauvoo, Illinois, Kirtland, Ohio, and Palmyra, New York. And the reason why we wanted to see these sites was to hear for ourselves what tour guides are saying about these different places and how it relates to their history. It was quite eye-opening because not only did we learn some new things, but sometimes you don't only learn from what you hear, but you learn a lot from what you don't hear. We're into our second week. It is now Tuesday, July 19th, and we are in Kirtland, Ohio, and we are with a senior couple who is taking us around. And at this point, as I mentioned in yesterday's show, it's not just me, Eric, and Trevor, but three other friends have joined us former Mormon couple, Bill and Grace, as well as another friend of ours, John. So there's six of us, and we're the only ones being escorted by this senior couple, and we're down near the Newell K. Whitney store, which is down the street from the Kirtland Temple. And of course, what is a big deal about this is this is where the School of the Prophets was held, and we are sitting in the room where this school of the prophets took place it's not a very large room at all but our tour guide told us that we must take off our hats so this obviously is very special to them and we complied and so he starts to tell us about the significance of this room and of course one of the major revelations that took place at this time was the word of wisdom revelation now in yesterday's show I explain that many times when you read about the Word of Wisdom, you're not always given the historical background as to how the Word of Wisdom came about. Many times it gives complete credit to Joseph Smith. Sometimes it does mention a suggestion given by Emma Smith, Joseph Smith's wife. But to give you more details, we read from a book that was written by Linda King Newell and Valene Tippetts Avery titled Mormon Enigma, Emma Hale Smith. Now, some might take their account not so seriously and say, well, that was just their opinion. But I want to read for you from a church manual showing that what is in this church manual says very much the same of what I read in yesterday's show from that book, Mormon Enigma. And it cites Brigham Young. This is a manual called Doctrine and Covenants Student Manual, Religion 324-325. It was published in 2001, where it states, under historical background, quoting Brigham Young that the first school of the prophets was held in a small room situated over the Prophet Joseph's kitchen in a house which belonged to Bishop Whitney. Now later, the Smiths would get their own home across the street and up the hill a ways, but right now they are living in Newell K. Whitney's store. Brigham Young goes on to talk about the fact that when the men came to that place, that they would assemble together in this room after breakfast. And the first thing they did was to light their pipes and, while smoking, talk about the great things of the kingdom and spit all over the room. And as soon as the pipe was out of their mouths, a large chew of tobacco would then be taken. Often when the prophet entered the room, to give the school instructions, he would find himself in a cloud of tobacco smoke. Now, page 206 of this manual goes on to say, This and the complaints of his wife at having to clean so filthy a floor made the prophet think upon the matter, and he inquired of the Lord relating to the conduct of the elders in using tobacco, and the revelation known as the word of wisdom was the result of his inquiry. This does not tell you, however, that part of that word of wisdom was not just against tobacco use, but it also includes the use of hot drinks, which has been understood to mean coffee and tea. And some have suggested that that was inserted in the word of wisdom to get back at Emma and some of her friends who would gather together for small meetings to drink coffee and to have tea. But the point I want to make here is, You can't discount what it says in Mormon Enigma when virtually the same thing is stated in a church manual. What we learn from this is that the word of wisdom doesn't seem to have been born out of this need to be more healthier than others. It sounds like it was born out of more of a hygiene reason than anything else. Emma was upset she had to clean up the mess. She's the one that suggested to Joseph Smith to come up with a revelation about this. But the fact remains is that most modern Latter-day Saints look at the Word of Wisdom more in the context of health rather than hygiene, and that can be clearly demonstrated in curriculum that the LDS Church has produced more recently.
2: In the October 31st through November 6th curriculum for Come, Follow Me, they cover Daniel chapters 1 through 6. And you can see our review if you go to mrm.org slash come, follow me with hyphens between come, follow, and me. And so under the section for Daniel chapters 1 and 2, this is what it says. As you read Daniel 1 and 2 together, you could look for the blessings that Daniel and his friends received by abstaining from eating the king's meat and wine. You could compare those blessings to the Lord's promises to us as we keep his commandments, such as the word of wisdom. See Doctrine and covenant section 89. How has the Lord blessed us for living the word of wisdom. Do you see what they, they just did, Bill? They took what Daniel and his friends did by not eating from the king's table, which was the meat and wine, and they likened it to the word of wisdom, showing how healthy it would be to not participate in the things that the word of wisdom says you're not supposed to be involved with. Meat and wine are certainly talked about in the word of wisdom, but this was a 10-day trial by Daniel and his friends. This was not something that the Bible is saying everybody needs to do all the time to be able to be more healthy.
1: I think you're absolutely right. What the curriculum writers have done is they've taken an example in the Old Testament, and they've taken a a leap in trying to compare that to what Latter-day Saints are doing today. Yes, it does talk about meat. It does talk about wine. But here's what's interesting. When it talks about meat, it says in section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants, where this word of wisdom is found, it says that flesh also of beasts and fowls of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly, sparingly. The reference that you cite from Daniel, they're not eating meat at all. Right. Not at all. So there's really no comparison there. But if you were to go back to section 49 in the Doctrine and Covenants, and I might mention that this revelation, according to the heading, was given at Kirtland, Ohio, the same place as where the revelation regarding the Word of Wisdom is supposedly given. This is dated March 1831, although in parentheses it says some historical sources give the date of this revelation as May 1831. Doesn't matter whether it's March or or
2: May, but in verse 19, what does it say? For behold, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air and that which cometh of the earth is ordained for the use of man for food and for raiment and that he might have in abundance. They
1: might have in abundance. Now, that's very different than what we read in verse 12 of section 89, even though both of these verses start off the same. Verse 19 says, For behold, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air. Verse 12 in section 89, Yea, flesh also of beasts and of fowls of the air. But they give two different instructions. One says that they can be eaten in abundance. The other says that they must be used sparingly. So it seems like... Within the time the one revelation was given in, in section 49 to where the other revelation is given in section 89, God finds out information he didn't know earlier. He has a course correction here. And why? Why would he do that?
2: And that's a great question. And then in D&C 49 19, would have nothing to do with Daniel 1 and 2, because here it's saying you should have it in abundance and eat as much meat as you want, whereas in Daniel chapters 1 and 2, they stopped eating the meat.
1: But the main point of all this is the reason it came about. It did not come about for health reasons. It came about because of hygiene reasons. Emma was tired of cleaning up the mess of tobacco juice on the floor. And so this is how it comes about. And now the LDS Church uses it as some kind of health code, and they're doing it because they're going to be more healthy. But when it comes to even the use of meat, it says to be used sparingly. But when are they supposed to use this meat? Well, verse 13 says in section 89, and it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or famine. So you would think that perhaps during the summer months, They shouldn't be eating meat at all because they're only supposed to use it sparingly in times of winter or of cold or famine. And, of course, that raises the question, how much meat do you find during a time of famine? I would think that meat would be long gone when you finally come to the point where you declare you're actually in a famine. It's clear that God doesn't seem to have the same message just within a period of less than two years If it was March 1831 and this is February of 1833, you're talking about two years. If section 49 was in May, that's even less than two years. So God doesn't seem to get his story straight. It says at the very beginning of section 89, verses 1 and 2, that this is a word of wisdom for the benefit of the council of high priests assembled in Kirtland and the church and also the saints in Zion. But then it says this.
2: To be sent greeting, not by commandment or constraint, but by revelation in the word of wisdom, showing forth the order and will of God in the temporal salvation of all saints in the last days. Did you catch that?
1: To be sent greeting, not by commandment or constraint, Now, in the same manual that I cited earlier that was quoting Brigham Young, it goes on on page 207 in that same manual. It says, although the word of wisdom was received on 27th of February, 1833, It's acceptance by individual members of the church was gradual on the 9th of September, 1851, some 18 years after it was given the patriarch of the church, John Smith. Now this is the brother of Joseph Smith senior, and he was also the father of G a Smith, who was a member of the first presidency in the early years of the church. Well, John Smith delivered a talk in general conference on the Word of Wisdom. During his address, President Brigham Young arose and proposed that all saints formally covenant to abstain from tea, coffee, tobacco, whiskey, and, quote, all things mentioned in the Word of Wisdom, end quote. Now, this comes about by Brigham Young. What we find in verses 1 and 2 of the Doctrine and Covenants, that seems to be a revelation given by God himself. But here you have an LDS leader get up and reverse what God apparently said, where it goes from a suggestion to a commandment. Think hard on that. This shows that LDS leaders can dictate doctrine even when it contradicts what God allegedly sets down.